Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to bust some ATS myths. It may come as no surprise that applicant tracking systems, or ATS, are one of the most common concerns for job seekers. For that same reason, it is one of the top subjects of debate with surrounding misconceptions being perpetuated by professionals in the resume writing industry. Well, we're here to team up with LinkedIn top voice and superstar to start busting some ATS myths. Kamara Toffolo is a resume writer, LinkedIn consultant, and job search strategist who helps her clients dare to work differently. Kamara has worked with high-achieving professionals from Canada, USA, UK, Australia, Japan, India, UAE, and Brazil, to name a few. Kamara was recognized as a LinkedIn top voice in 2020, and she's been featured in major media outlets, including Forbes, Business Insider, Inc., the Wharton Business School Radio, and LinkedIn News, among others. So let's get you the downright truth about the ATS. And by the end of this episode, we're hoping that all of you will become insiders for how the system really works. Let's launch right into it with this episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. Kamara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. I am so excited to get into this episode. Those three letters just get a lot of people heated up and excited. So I know I'm really amped up to do this with you. So I want to talk about the concern about the ATS. I think there's a lot of concern about these applicant tracking systems, some of it blown out of proportion completely. Um, But let's have you open up about talking about what the ATS actually is and why so many job seekers are concerned about it. For sure. So what the ATS is, first of all, let's break down the acronym. So ATS stands for Applicant Tracking System. And really it is what it's called. It's a system that tracks applicants. And it's really not as sophisticated as I think, as you said, it's blown out of proportion how sophisticated an ATS is. And really what it's there to do is to house applications and help recruiters and hiring managers project manage applications through their entire life cycle. And one of my friends, I can't take credit for this, one of my colleagues, she refers to the ATS and she's a a recruiter. She refers to the ATS as a digital filing cabinet. So if that creates any image in anyone's mind of how simple these systems are, I hope that does it. That makes a lot of sense. So it's a digital filing cabinet. I'll have to use that. I'll credit whoever that is, but that makes a lot of sense to me. It's Amy Miller who said it. So I know who Amy Miller is. That's great. Yes. Yeah. So if it's just a filing cabinet, why are so many people freaking out about it, especially job seekers who are just in it right now? Well, there's a variety of reasons that job seekers are freaking out about it. And really, I think the biggest reason is because there's so much information out there about applicant tracking systems, conflicting information. And because job seekers don't really work within the ATS themselves, that makes it feel like a bit of a black hole and it's just not transparent to the job seeker. I think the most egregious reason is because of the bad information out there on the internet, the misconceptions, the misinformation. 
Absolutely. We're going to get into some of that bad information now. I mean, just talking, having been in this industry for to like seven years now, spoken with a lot of people, I've, you know, been somebody who has believed these myths at some point. And, you know, by exploring and doing deep diving and learning from individuals like you, I've realized that, you know, these are bad myths and things that should be busted because they're being perpetuated not just by job seekers, but by the so-called professionals who are also within this industry. So it's going to be exciting. I think we're going to not only bust these myths, but also help job seekers to do the right thing and focus on the right thing here. I really hope so. And you're not alone in having believed the misconceptions. I believed them too. When I was a baby resume writer, I believed the misconceptions as well. And it wasn't until... I really started connecting with recruiters and listening to the people who use the ATS that I started to understand it. Awesome. So in one of your videos, you mentioned that it's the myth, actually, I should be clear here. So it's the myth that your resume can be rejected without a human ever seeing it, which I think can be unpacked and explained a little bit. But can you elaborate on that statement or am I getting that correct when you say that? Yeah. So I believe the myth that you're mentioning right now, is I had to expand a bit upon in my video notes, actually. So basically, the misconception is that applicant tracking systems are outright automatically rejecting your resume. And that is not the case. So perhaps depending on, let's say, if you applied at a bad time, let's say they were just closing the job posting, maybe your resume wouldn't get a chance to be seen by someone. But when a rejection is happening, it is triggered by a human. Okay, so the rejection is triggered by a human based on whatever parameters that they might set for the system there. That's correct. So whether that is a recruiter reading your resume or someone in a hiring professional reading your resume and realizing that you're not a fit for the role and pressing the reject button or what have you, or uh, at the end of cl- of a round of uh, reviewing resumes for a certain job, if they close a job posting, then that's a human triggering a potential rejection message to you. And can I ask a follow-up question to that? Because once again, I think this is something that trips a lot of people up. But so say a company does get, you know, a thousand different job applications, like, isn't it possible that some of those are getting rejected without getting read in the first place? There is the rare chance that your application could be outright rejected by the applicant tracking system. And that's when you might encounter what's called a showstopper question or showstopper questions. And so these questions, as I understand it from listening to recruiters, is that these questions are big ones like, can you legally work in the U.S.? And if your answer to that is no, then your application is going to hit a dead end and essentially be rejected, even though you didn't get past the finish line as it went. That's the only time the ATS is doing any rejecting. As far as your resume is concerned, if it's getting read, it's getting read by a human. And so, and and going back to what we were talking about before, when it comes to rejections, aside from the showstopper questions that we just mentioned, a human is actioning those rejections. So they've read your resume, realize you're not qualified, reject, or they have closed a job posting and are no longer looking at resumes and then 
hit the button and close the job posting and then they'll reject anyone who's still in the queue. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I do want to back up with one sub question here. That's how many types of applicant tracking systems are there? Is it just one that everyone needs to figure out how to beat? Is it a few? What are we dealing with here? I have no idea how many there are, but there are many. Do you? Do you know? (laughs) I have no clue. I think there are tons out there. And that one comes from a frustration because like I've been guilty of it too, right? I mean, trying to replicate an applicant tracking system out there, but there is no one single applicant tracking system out there. And there's so many different, you know, algorithms out there that someone can use. And moreover, there's different combinations of you know, keywords or parameters someone can put around a search. So I think that's the huge thing that you're calling attention to, which is like, there's no single system out there that we're trying to beat. It's not like this weird game, so to speak. Yeah, it's not a game at all, really. And there's nothing that we're trying to beat. So going back to Amy's analogy, digital filing cabinet, Well, as she also said, you want to be in the cabinet, right? So the notion of trying to beat an ATS makes no sense because you want to be in the ATS in order to have an application in play or to later be searched. As you're mentioning, a recruiter could be searching within the files that are already in the ATS or the digital filing cabinet for future roles. So I want to be clear here, though, like if we're say like a corporation puts out a job posting and they get hundreds of different resumes, you know, you need a system to sort that filing cabinet. So shouldn't I be as a job seeker trying to get my resume noticed among that filing cabinet if someone's not going to read all those hundreds of resumes? Definitely, that's important. And the best way to do that is to make sure that you're doing your absolute best to show that you're qualified for the job. And that's not necessarily through keywords, but through context and the content within your resume that demonstrates that you have already done or you are capable of doing the work for which you're applying to. I love that. More focus on the quality of the resume rather than keyword stuffing. And that was actually my next question for you because I know that's one of the myths that you talk about and it's one that's constantly getting perpetuated, which is let me just jam my resume full of keywords to get it noticed. I even let a meetup and this is actually this because it's come up several times and it's really irked me and I'm trying to find better ways to tell people not to do this. But the idea of white fonting, which means you take your keywords or as many keywords as you think are going to fit for the job description and you turn it into white font and you shrink it and you put it at the bottom of your resume. So in your own words, why is this bad and why is keyword stuffing in general a bad thing? I realize this is audio only so people can't see that I'm face palmed <laughs> when, <laughs> when you mentioned white font or the tiny white font trick, which yeah. was given new life recently on TikTok. Mm. This is a very, I know, <laughs> this is uh. a very, very old strategy that doesn't work. Maybe it worked back in the day when, oh, I don't even know when it would have worked, but in any case, so keyword stuffing doesn't work because it does not give context to or does not demonstrate that you are qualified for a job. Simply calling out a skill does not show that you're qualified. And certainly the keyword stuffing or the tiny white font trick, I should say, is one that recruiters can see quite quickly. White font is not invisible. (laughs) It can very easily be 
<laughs> seen as much as we'd like to think it might be invisible. It can very easily be seen. And when someone sees this lazy tactic, of course, everything else is called into question. And so do they do, do this we... professionally? Etc. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the keyword stuffing really, really does not help more. So when we use keywords, we want to use them in the sense that recruiter, we're showing the hiring manager that we understand their business needs and why they're hiring for this particular role and using the proper terminology, using their language, so to speak. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I thought, you know, when I first heard it a few years ago, I thought it was something that one job seeker would say one time and I'd laugh at it and tell them not to do it. But this has come up over and over and over again at different career fairs I've been to. And it just it's not good. And we need to get the message out there that these tactics and tricks aren't worth trying. You need to focus on a quality resume. Always write for the human reader. That's what it comes down to. Okay. But keywords should be something, I mean, this is at least in my own practice, I have focused on keywords because it is a part of the search. But when you say quality, not quantity, what do you mean in terms of the keywords itself? We want to make sure that we are using keywords that are actually found in the job posting. Like, are these relevant keywords? So often I see job seekers jamming all of their skills since the beginning of time and say a skill section on their resume, but is that relevant to the job to which you're applying? And so it's really, really important to take our clues and cues from a job posting in order to identify which keywords we should be including, but more importantly, which skills and strengths we should be reinforcing through accomplishments on our resume and things like that. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And don't hate me for this question, but it's one that I get a lot. But how many keywords should I be focusing on integrating in the resume? Oh my gosh, I don't count them. Uh, Do you? (laughs) Not really. Yeah, it's really, that's a really interesting question. I don't even think I've ever been asked that. And you get that question a lot. It's like how many, because like going back to the whole keyword stuffing thing, it's like some people, they have like this, I just call it the shotgun approach or when you like cast a really wide net. So you try to include every type of keyword that you might think would get picked up within an ATS. So like if I'm in, you know, tech, then I'll put every single programming language out there, even though I have some very uh, surface level competency for all of these different programming languages versus getting targeted and and getting deep with just a few keywords, so. Got it, okay. So the number is not so important in terms of the number of keywords, as we know. What's most important is that if you're claiming a skill and like you're using a keyword to claim having a skill in say your skill section, you better be backing that up in your experience and accomplishment section. So if we're just willy-nilly throwing in keywords and we can't prove through accomplishments that we know how to do that particular keyword, then we're going to run into trouble. And then we're basically not showing ourselves as qualified in that case. It makes sense to me because I think about if I were to receive a or like I'm on YouTube and I see like a clickbait title and it just gets me very excited about something. And then I realize after further research that it's not what I wanted in the first place, then I think I think it's just as bad. But 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, speaking of YouTube, YouTube learned early on that people were keyword Keyword stuff (laughs) in the tags, in the tags and the titles and what have you. And so they quickly changed their approach so that they weren't taking those keywords at face value. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. That's great. Great point about just focusing on, I think honesty and quality will take you a long way and you will find something. Just don't do these tricks because once you get caught, it's going to not work in your favor. And that's not what we want for you job seekers out there. Let's turn to the topic of design and formatting here, which is another one that once again, sitting on these calls and talking with newbie resume writers that this gets a lot of them tripped up as well. But in terms of design, what are the things that I should be focusing on to make sure that ATS isn't a concern? I mean, are there any things that are bad for the ATS when it comes to design? Well, there are certain things perhaps where the ATS might have difficulty digesting it, like, for example, text boxes, perhaps images as well. But that's often obvious, our point of application, where we would likely be asked to re-enter our resume after we uploaded the thing. So when we are asked to re-enter our resume after we've uploaded it already, we do want to pay particular attention to what information is pre-populated or carried over and to make sure that we address any discrepancies. So that's where we might run into trouble. But when it comes to design, again, we need to make sure that we are designing with the human reader in mind. So when we think about that, we want to think about how humans read, you know, from left to right. They may bounce around a little bit, but they're looking at the full page. So when we do things like a what's called a multi-panel resume, that's not the easiest to read. Is it going to get read? Probably, but it's not the easiest. And we want to make this easy on recruiters, easy on hiring managers, so that it's easy for them to see that we're qualified and easy to invite us for an interview. Let's make it easy. Let's make it easy. Yeah. I mean, a big one that I've seen is just the two column or three column resume, which, you know, there is debate out there saying like, okay, if you have columns in your resume, then the ATS is going to pick it up which once again, it's a tough thing to prove overall, but I still go back to the overall principle anyway that you want to make it easy for someone like an actual human who's going to open up the resume to look at it. And I think when you have two columns, you end up placing a lot of emphasis on the things that are on the left column and some things on the right may get missed out because as humans, we read things left to right. So I think you're right in focusing on the human aspect. So like an actual person, when they open up this thing, what do they want to see or what should they be seeing? A lot of it goes hand in hand. And if people stop freaking out about these myths, then maybe they'll be on the right track. Yes, (laughs) that's my hope. And so file format's another one that Mm. often gets guessed. But what do you have to say about the format of the resume? Does it matter? So when you're applying to a job online, let's say through a target employer's career site, it's going to tell you the file formats that are acceptable. If it's doc or docx, it will say that. If it's PDF, it will say that. So really, first and foremost, we want to follow the instructions on the career site. If we are given the choice to submit docx or PDF, then I tend to prefer PDF because it will retain the formatting of your resume, because then we don't need to worry about 
different versions of Word and how it might translate across different computers. With a PDF, it's going to look the same mostly every time. So that's really what we're going for when we recommend PDF, but always provide or upload what is acceptable. And likely if it's not acceptable, it's going to error out anyway. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And so if somebody asks for a PDF, don't send a .pages file or a rich text or any of the other crazy things that are an inconvenience for most people, to be honest. So, so. Yeah, I see a lot of complaints from recruiters about someone trying to send a .pages. <laughs> I've gotten it a too. Lot. I'm like, I can't open this. I physically can't open this right now. And like, if I have no time to read your resume, I have to get through all these other ones, then how am I going to spend like 30 minutes figuring out this file format thing? So that's so important. So that's great. And before we conclude here, I want to get your thoughts on things, not just ATS related, like good resume strategy, because you've just put so much good content out there in, in the job seeker world. But any final pieces of advice or strategies you have for people who want to get past the ATS or at least deal with the ATS? So when it comes to dealing with or working with the ATS, first, we need to get it back to basics. And everything starts with having our target job identified. And then that informs our resume as well as literally everything else in our job search. So I really want every listener to make sure that they have identified their target job before they go ahead with writing their resume and submitting it for jobs. So that's first and foremost. When we've got that foundation, our resume is going to play with the ATS so much better because we're going to be speaking the employer's language. We're going to be targeting mm. it towards the job to which we're applying. We're going to be using accomplishments that show that we're qualified for the job. And we're going to be very specific. And we will also have our resume containing keywords that really supports our candidacy for that role. I can't overemphasize how important it is to have your target job identified before you do anything else in your job search. Fantastic. Kamara, I really appreciate the insight you've brought to the table. I think we busted some myths. We covered several here that I think are just the major players here. Right now, I, I want to speak to the person who this is a, another term out there that gets perpetuated, but I think there is some truth to it. But you're sending out your resume and you feel like it's getting sucked into a black hole. In other words, you feel like you're as a job seeker submitting your resume over and over and over again and you're getting no success. What would you tell those people who are needing a break right now? Mm, people that are needing a break, take a break. <laughs> it's okay to take a break. And before you give up, I would say it's really important to have someone take a look at your resume who can provide either a second set of eyes or an expert opinion on how your resume really reads and the perceived stories that it's telling, because there could be a very small change that needs to happen. There could be a shift that can be easily identified where it could make all the difference in your job search. So if you're not getting interviews, you're just submitting, 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 then there's probably something wrong with your resume. And by all means, take a break, take a step back, get someone else to give you a hand and then reapproach it with a renewed and refreshed resume and renewed and refreshed 
self. Job searching is tiring and it can be soul crushing at times. And if you feel yourself needing a break, definitely take one so that you can come back and be your best self in your job search and show up as your best self in interviews. It comes down to taking care of yourself and making sure that sometimes job searches can feel like a marathon and you just got to keep working at it. It's not just one sprint in two days. I have my dream job. So, you know, making sure to take care of yourself. And I like your advice to connect with somebody else because I think there's something almost magical about showing someone your resume and saying, what can I approve here? Because, you know, when you're not talking to a human, you're just submitting it online. It, it makes it hard. So that connection with another fellow human being, I think, is something that can help rejuvenate your spirits. So wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Favorite question. I haven't asked this in a while, so I will conclude with it for you. But if you can tattoo one encouraging message for every career warrior applying for a job right now, what would that message be? I think it goes back to what we were just talking about. And I would tattoo stay the course. Stay the course. I like that. Elaborate on what stay the course means to you. So stay the course really means to me that you're staying committed to yourself and your career. So at every step along the way in the whole career journey, really, from identifying your target uh, career, target job, all the way to interviewing, all the way to actually executing in the job, getting results, and then possibly moving on to the next thing and possibly bringing others along the way. It's definitely a journey, right? I think a lot mm -hmm. of us are like, in some ways, like a self-discovery process. It's like, what am I made of? Like, how can I stay true to myself during this process where I feel like sometimes I'm getting shut down over and over and over and it feels like it's a blow on your own confidence or a blow on who you are as a person, where as in reality, it just may be the resume, you know, maybe just how you're being communicated, you know, through words. So I think staying the course, I think, you know, staying true to who you are and taking that time for yourself are really good messages. And I'm glad you brought them to the table today. Thank you. So Kamara Tafalo, everyone. And thank you so much for being on this podcast and helping me to bust some ATS myths here. How can people find out more about you? And I know you have that YouTube channel. So if you can talk about that, that'd be great. Sure. So yes, I am very easily found on YouTube. My channel is youtube.com slash Camara Toffolo Careers. You can probably even just search Camara and you might find me. And I can also be found on my website, CamaraToffolo.com. Perfect. And you know, listeners, I will include those links so you don't have to search yourself. But what kind of stuff do you post on the, your YouTube channel? I've seen you get very specific. So what are some examples? Sure. So at the time of this recording, I just produced a video that was about quitting what to do before you quit your job uh, because of the great resignation being inspired by that. I also talk a lot about even the finer details of resume writing, like how many pages should my resume be? What fonts should I use? And things like that. Awesome. Always good to get specific because people are asking these questions, aren't they? They sure are. Yes. <laughs> Great. Well, Kamara, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed getting to know you and doing this episode. And thanks again. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you. You too. Well, listeners, this wraps up episode 235 of the Let's See Grandma Career Warrior podcast. Gosh, what an amazing one. And like I said, I always get lit up when I see those three letters ATS and hoping whether you're a job seeker or a fellow resume writer that you took something away from this episode. 
remember not to jump to conclusions too quickly. And I have also found that focusing on humans first and the bots, so to speak, second is the technique and it is the way to go. It's what we do here as seasoned resume writers and we'd recommend it for all of you as well. Once again, I'll include those links within the description of the podcast episode and you can make sure to find that when you are not jogging or driving. Thanks so much for tuning into the Career Warrior Podcast. See you next time. Career Warrior Podcast. And for more on your job search, please make sure to check out Let's Eat Grandma's website at letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. That's where you can find her blog, attend job seeker events, and learn more about her awesome resume services. Let me just say, I'm happy you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify, but you are missing out if you haven't seen the additional resources on our website. Once again, that's letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. And please don't forget to leave a review. The support from my fellow warriors is what will help me get noticed and what will help the algorithm so other job seekers can discover us too. I promise I read all the reviews and you will just make my day. That's all. I'll see you next episode this Monday morning. 